This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason T. Mears, Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? Happy birthday <laughs> to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mr. President. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> How you doing, JT? You're the birthday boy. Yeah, yeah, getting to do the thing that I love the most on my birthday. So this is pretty great, man. Pretty great. 42 has been good so far. 42. 42 has been pretty good. This is our final Fast and Curious for a while, dude. Um, you know, I, maybe we'll come back after 9 comes out and give some thoughts and impressions, but... Um, and this isn't even technically fast and curious, but uh, better luck tomorrow. I, I, we both watched it. Um, tenuous connections at best, but what yeah. are your initial thoughts? So better luck tomorrow. Um, you know, just for listeners out there, we you know, this is Justin Lin's uh, pretty much his film debut here and uh, a character that he had in this movie, uh, Han. He then inserted into Tokyo Drift and many of the Fast and Furious movies. And so we we knew we had to go here, right? Where did Han yeah, come yeah. from? And, you know, th- this was a pretty celebrated debut for Justin Lin. This, one's, this won or was nominated for some awards. Uh, a lot of the big reviewers, um, you know, gave it a lot of thumbs up. Uh, our, our boy Roger Ebert really loved it. Uh, yeah, he, he, uh, really interesting story about Roger Ebert, which we'll get to later. Um, regarding this film, but I, I found that like what was happening around this movie is almost more interesting than the movie itself to me. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, I thought just purely as a movie, it was okay. There were some choices I found interesting. Um, the fact that, you know, this is based on an actual crime that happened in California in the nineties. Uh, but loosely based, right? So you you know you can't go in thinking, hey, this is just a remake of the exact thing that happened, which you know, fair enough. And obviously, a very different ending from the people that committed the real crime to uh, <laughs> what happens in the film. Sure, um, sure. But uh, you okay? The first thing that stuck out to me, and it's purely Han related, is that you know you can call this the origin of the character of Han, but what I what I really notice is that he he comes fully formed, like Han is already the cool guy with the awesome car the second we see him. I agree completely. Han is fully formed. Totally fully formed. He's more of an asshole in this one than he later on becomes. But uh, you can definitely see like his transformation between this and Tokyo Drift. Sure. And we talk about family, right? And Han's cousin in this movie is the big fuck-up, right? He's... Yeah. <laughs> Virgil is... Uh, 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 doesn't quite have it together. Uh, he's he's maybe one of the least stable characters. Uh, ends up trying to kill himself by the end of the movie. Is, is such an idiot that Han has to basically beat the shit out of him at one point. For the most part, kind of exits the film. You know, I, I don't even recall the last time you actually see Han in this movie, and then he gets kind of a postscript. Um, and you you see that shot of him right at the end where he's shaving his head, which is supposed to make us assume that uh, Virgil has died after trying to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, uh, I wonder, you know, I would love like a short in between that and how he gets involved 
with uh, Dominic, right? And how these themes mm-hmm. of family play into it. And if there's regret that he has, you know, for, you know, maybe beating the shit out of his cousin or, um, you know, yeah. if, if there's some sort of development there to his character, which makes him really buy into the family with, with Toretto and those guys. That would be cool. I will say like my, this is the first time I'd ever seen it too. Uh, I, thought it was a solid film um i think for the time it was great uh it, for a first uh feature film that had a relatively low budget i think a solid movie you know this is this is one of these throwbacks almost to the mid 90s indie crime wave right like mm-hmm. the tarantino kind of kicked off uh and it had like a nice asian american uh viewpoint to it which was very refreshing to see uh Asian American characters like as normal people and not stereotypes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from this. This was one of the first movies to really be mainstream and do that. Uh, thought it was interesting. It was the first ever film acquisition by MTV films. Really? Uh, which I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Um, and a uh, neat story here. They were really running out of money on this. And uh, I read that, Sung Kang, who plays Han, um, was a waiter at a Korean barbecue place. I want to say it, it, it was somebody from a film production company that would be a regular in there all the time. And Han was able to talk her into throwing 50 grand so they could finish the movie. And then they were short about $10,000 right at the end. And Justin Lin calls up MC Hammer and yep. MC Hammer yep. uh, takes them the rest of the way home. I know. It is literally true that MC Hammer gave us the great Fast and the Furious franchise that we know and love, right? Nobody would be talking about Fast and the Furious unless Justin Lin came in with Tokyo Drift and then with 4 and shepherded it on to what it became, right? Yep. Nope. I mean, people would maybe be talking about the uh, nice genre picture, the Fast and the Furious, but it would be a footnote, right? It would it would be like a, one of those tiny films that did what it was supposed to do really well. But now, you know, Justin Lin turned it into this monster and that would not have happened without MC hammer. So thank you, hammer. Well done. Well done, hammer. I was reading a story, um, about when this was at Sundance and it had five screenings. The first two were pretty, um, pretty well attended, pretty well received. The third one, third screening just exploded, right? Like it, it did well enough in the first two that people were like, okay, you got to go see this. And they showed the movie, uh, to, to the people at the third screening. And at the end during a Q and a, somebody shouted out, you know, you, how dare you portray your people like this? And, um, Roger Ebert was actually in that screening and stood up and defended Justin Lin. And he was like, you know, you wouldn't say that if this was a white director, you know, they have, you know, people have the right to make whatever movies they want. This was a great picture, really well done and basically shut your, shut your face. So, um, I think that was, that was really cool of Roger Ebert to, to step up in the flesh and defend a film like this. You know, I think, I think that's a really cool story and a footnote to this film. <laughs> Way to go, Roger. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, John Cho, uh, who was probably the most popular actor cast in this film, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, he kind of made his name as the MILF guy on American Pie before going into Harold and Kumar. And I think this 
predates the first Harold and Kumar, but I'm not exactly sure. You know, I thought he was all right, but he was almost too likable for me. Um, I, I was trying to kind of navigate the sort of turn, the, the decision that they wanted to show this guy a lesson because he thinks he's better than all of them. And maybe the one scene that did stick out to me was that last party where he's kind of half drunk and he is he is doing a pretty good job selling me on being a dick. But it's like I almost had to weigh the, I don't know, uh, the, the cocaine addiction to really just kind of scramble up their heads, especially Ben when he decides to actually go in there and beat him to death. <laughs> You know who the the character turn the heel turn what it reminded me of? Daenerys from the end of Game of Thrones, right? Oh yeah. You spent so you said you spent so many seasons just like liking her as a character. You know she's she's got great screen presence. You're rooting for her. You're rooting for her. Just has that that charisma. John Cho has that charisma. And the first eighty percent, despite the fact that he's being a jerk and like uh, you know cheating on his girlfriend. There's the love interest of Ben, right? Besides that, you're kind of rooting for this guy. And at the very end, oh, yeah, he's a terrible asshole. That, that was a little weird. But I do have a bone to pick with you, sir. I don't think John Cho was the most famous actor in this film. Okay. Who am I missing? Jerry Mathers. Oh, the Beave. That's right. I totally <laughs> forgot about the Beave appearance. Yeah. yeah, and I, I shouted that out when I was watching it. I was like, what? The Beave? <laughs> like, <laughs> did not see that coming. No, that was a shock. That was a shock. <laughs> There's the Beaver teaching biology. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, critical role for this film, too, because he, he really got Ben and his lady interest talking by being lab partners. So yeah. without him, you know, the, the whole plot falls apart. I, uh, I I did see that initially John Cho was wanting to play the part of Ben, and I can't help but think if that might have been a better choice. I thought the actor that played Ben was fine, but it, it reeked of inexperience, which is fine, which is what you get in film debuts, right? It is, um, it is. And, and also, all of these guys were all actors, or trying to be actors in L.A., and they shot this during pilot season. So like okay. all of their agents were like, what the hell are you guys doing? And they're like, well, this film's so important to us. We're, we're not getting paid, but we're going to, we're going to make this movie. And it, and it appears to have worked out for most of the people that were involved in it. Um, I, I think that, uh, Perry Shin, that's the guy's name who played Ben. I think it, I think his inexperience works for him. Uh, I do think if this were, um, had a lot more money behind it and had like a uh, studio given notes, John Cho would have been playing Ben for sure. 100%. Um, but I, I think uh, I think the guy who did Ben, it's pretty good. I mean, like, I believed him as a high schooler. I absolutely believed yeah. him in a high schooler. I don't know that, like, because John Cho was a little older, right? His character had already graduated. Isn't that correct? Yeah. I, well, I think he was going to the other school, right? He was oh, going to the fancier right. school, which that was another point where I thought the movie could have done a little bit better of a job telling that story. Yeah. Uh, because it just didn't really click with me for a while. Um, until they did the uh, uh, the debate. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's right. It. Uh, um, I, I appreciate that this film was a look at a culture that I don't have a lot of experience with, as a mediocre student of public schools in Middle Tennessee. Um, I was not very academically competitive or even aware of stuff like this going on. So, 
there might be nuances like that that I, I totally missed. And if I had more exposure to it, that would have been easier for me. Um, and again, you know, this is this is essentially a movie about disaffected youth turning to crime. So I don't know if you need to get into the nuance of, you know, interschool rivalries, but it might have helped me a little bit. Yeah. You know, I tried to get you to do Science Olympiad in high school, but you wanted no part of it. No, no. <laughs> Listen, if, if it if it was not Dungeons and Dragons or Bill and Ted, I was I was pretty much not interested uh, in anything during high school. So, uh, well, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, you got me onto Led Zeppelin. So, right, right. How did you feel about the choice at the end? <clears throat> kind of consequence free, except maybe for Virgil. And it did. Now that we've talked a little bit about the funding situation, it did feel as though hmm, money ran out. Let's end this thing. I, I gotta say, I liked it. I liked the choice of this being essentially consequence free, um, I, because I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting, you know, everything to come crashing down and there be consequences. And for that not to happen, I'll give the movie props. That's if you if you're ending a movie and you you surprise me, then you get a few extra points. Fair enough. Yeah, you know, I I, yeah, I struggled a little bit with it. Um... I just don't know if I grasp what this film was trying to tell me by them, you know, by leaving it open-ended, but you know, I guess that's the point. you look at the title of the film, better luck tomorrow. And was the last line. He's like, no idea what the future holds, but there's no turning back. And so maybe the next day he gets arrested, you know, totally sure, possible. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe he'll show up in fast nine. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Maybe Jerry Mathers will show up at Fast Nine. Oh, that would be great. Is he still alive? According to IMDb, uh, they don't list him as dead. So if right. you're not listed as dead on IMDb, you are still alive forever. Going to live forever. Excellent, excellent. Because we we lost Eddie recently. I think Eddie Haskell. Yeah. Yep. We did. We did. Um, would you recommend people watch this movie? Yes, I would definitely recommend anyone see this film. Um, simply because I don't think we have enough of of these films. Um, I think this kicked the door wide open for what we've seen since uh, in terms of films about Asian Americans, uh, TV shows about Asian Americans. I think it's, it's definitely contributed to a more authentic portrayal, I would say. And that, and that's great. Uh, I'm all for that. Although I don't know if you could consider like the two TV shows and maybe one and a half movies that we've gotten kicking the door wide open. But I think it definitely, it, it, it did, it did broaden it a little bit. There could always be more is my point. There could always right. be more. Um, right. cause I, I remember when crazy rich Asians came out a couple of years ago, everyone was like, Oh, finally a movie just about, you know, uh, Asians. And yeah, there, there is one <laughs> now, you know, like that it sucks. It's crazy that this is what we've come to. But, what, what was, what was it we saw recently that Keanu had the, uh, cameo in? Oh yeah. Um, always be my maybe. Yep. I thought that was really, really well done. Um, yep, in terms of just that. like folks in their like thirties, you know, living in the, what was it? Were they in the San Francisco area in that film? I can't yes. remember. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think it was San Francisco and then later New York. No, it yeah. might've been LA. Was it LA? Uh, it might've been LA. <laughs> California <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> oh hell. Well, Kelly, I really want to thank you for doing this fast and curious with me. Um, this has been a blast getting to share these movies with you. It's been quite the, uh, quite the journey to do with you. Um, I think ultimately I feel better for having seen most all of these films. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> give, give or take a too fast, too furious, but Hey, <laughs> you, you still got 
lasting characters out of that movie. You know, you did. So. You, did. It, it, you know, it's a great metaphor for life. You know, you just got to take the next step forward and maybe you'll stumble. But if you stumble, maybe you get ludicrous, you know, maybe you just move forward. Yeah. I, I will certainly go see other Vin Diesel movies. I, I will view those that I haven't seen before. I've never seen any of the triple X stuff. I've never seen, I've never seen another Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you this much, man. Um, pitch black is a treat. It's like a, for a trimmers guy, you'd probably really like that one. Okay, great. Yeah. That's all you had to say. That's all you had to say. Yeah, I know. I know how to, I know how to speak to you. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I'll, I, I want to thank you for, uh, for suggesting this whole premise and, uh, It'll be interesting to see what we have coming up. Now we can also mention on the Bill and Ted front, we are definitely still working on some things for our upcoming third season and the release of Face the Music. And I think we're going to have some great stuff to talk about here very soon and hopefully some great people to talk to very soon. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, And, you know, we don't really say this often on this show, but if you do have Keanu Reeves' telephone number, please give him a call and ask him to, to talk with us. <laughs> he probably doesn't have a Spotify subscription, so send him the YouTube link of our shows. Yeah, yeah, that it, we are on YouTube. Um, we're also really <laughs> bad about promoting where we are. But yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, remember, remember where we are, right? Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at San Dimas Today. I want to thank Michael Eads and We Own This Town for uh, producing our, our show. And we want to thank Scott Bricklin and Scooby Tunes Music for letting us use Walk Away. It's a great song. Kelly, be excellent to each other. Happy birthday and party on, JT. All right, man. Well, I, I cannot wait. Um, next, uh, this next episode, it won't, it, uh, I don't know if we're editing this out or not, but don't know if the next ep- episode will be the kickoff of season three, because we want to get that out timely. Right. Uh, with the, yeah, I'll definitely, ed- I'll definitely edit what you just set up. Thank you. Perfect. Great. <laughs> There's our tag. There's our tag. Um, <laughs>